0: Welcome to Cultivate Leadership Project. I am your host, Sam iscavel I have been talking for a while about what some of our goals are uh, in Cultivate. And so I've been doing plenty of shows, and I hope that they have helped you as you've learned, if you listen to them, and hopefully you spread the wisdom with your friends and family. But I've always talked about doing interviews, talking to people who have succeeded in life and you know we get to go back into their you know their upbringing figure out the path that they took and how it connects to the 9 keys of cultivate leadership project and so every great thing has a beginning the podcast has a beginning and, and you know I have a beginning everyone has a beginning Rudy has the first interview on Cultivate, and this is going to be the first of many. And so I'm so happy. I'm appreciative of my friend, Rudy Herrera. He's joining me here today, and you're going to get to know who he is and what he does. But to start off, Rudy, say hello. uh, Tell everybody your name and what you do, and then we'll get into your story.
1: Beautiful. Well, my name's uh, Rudy Herrera. I grew up in San Antonio. I'm uh, actually a physician, Um, triple board certified. I did um, family residency, board certified that. Then I board certified in uh, sports medicine. That was my passion growing up. And then I uh, evolved into interventional pain management. And uh, right now I've been doing interventional pain for a little over a decade uh, here in uh, the Metroplex.
0: Okay, and Cultivate, I've talked to you a little bit about it, Rudy, and you kind of have an idea of what I'm doing. And so I have the nine keys, okay? And so the first key is turning negatives into positive energy, okay? And for, for me, you know, I've talked to many people, and that usually tracks back to way back. For yeah. most people, right? We, we start thinking about, oh, I grew up and uh, my teacher did this, or I got bullied in, in middle school, my parents were like this to me, or I grew up in this circumstance, right? That was yeah. my negative past. You really can't change it. It exists, and uh, until you begin to identify it and become aware of it, you begin to draw energy out of it, right? And for people who uh, who go down a path of of success, they tend to pull positive energy out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want some young people to hear you because they don't know where they're going to end up in 10 to 15 years. You know, maybe they're in middle school, or maybe they're in high school right now. And it might be somebody who's barely starting college and they need to pick a path, but they're dealing with some negatives from their Past and so dig into your memory bank, right into your hard drive. What's something that you grew up with that you felt kind of held you back or uh, made you stumble a few times? And and then we'll talk about what came out of it in a little bit. But is there anything that sticks out?
1: Well, there's a lot of things. You know, I grew up. um, My family. My mother's from Mexico. Um, My dad grew up in the valley down uh, on the border, and uh, you know my dad was much older than my mom so my great my dad uh, had me when he was almost 60 he was born in 1918 so he grew up in a different era uh like he, he he went to fourth grade and my mom also went to fourth grade so we um
0: up to fourth grade
1: fourth grade that's it man fourth grade my mom was uh you know she the oldest at 12 wow. um and uh you know hard-working woman and um didn't really get a lot of cultivating uh, environment we had a loving environment but wasn't yeah. very uh, so english was our second language uh man it just it, we were loved but it, we never were destitute but you know we didn't have a whole lot my dad was uh a janitor and i don't want to paint the picture black but like this is the reality my dad was a janitor my mom cleaned houses and uh so there was not a lot of like formal education i remember even early on uh, I have two young boys and uh, just remembering roadblocks with language with reading with um, articulation of, of things uh, I mean I remember situations even in kindergarten where it was like very frustrating not knowing uh, the alphabet the colors uh, those yeah. types of things and when I I you know as we have kids right at, at the, around that age i remember i mean who remembers at fifth, when they were 5 yeah, yeah I, I, I don't you know their teachers saying hey you can't get this right you can't yeah. go to, you can't go out uh, yeah. but those are little things you know as we evolved i, I kind of struggled through things I wasn't really passionate about school uh, but i was very uh, you know i had a roadblocks with you know through primary school uh, and uh, my older brothers, um, you know, were, were kind of, uh, did a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. So my, my parents pulled us out of the public school and they thought sending us to a private a Catholic yeah. school would be a better situation for us. Uh, wasn't better. Um, education wasn't that much better, uh, from the inner city where we were at to another inner city private school. Uh, but you know, so we struggled with that and it really, I remember, you know, basically from, from kindergarten all the way to like fourth or fifth grade just not ha- not liking school not really um understanding um you know any future yeah. uh uh that was uh that i may have potentially had required education until maybe um i had a um participated in sports uh i was a, a pretty good runner uh growing up small guy didn't Stopped growing after fifth grade, but yeah. um, so I was a very, very good runner, uh, and I had a coach that kind of changed my life. But but up through those through those challenges of of having those roadblocks, I, I would just basically get frustrated, and take out that frustration in um, other things besides besides academics. So whether it was uh, karate, my my dad got us in karate early on, uh, like maybe six. Uh, I was probably six seven uh, at by, by 12, I was a black belt. So I took really? out my frustrations in in uh, my lack of, of discipline, lack of uh, being able to, to overcome these obstacles into these physical uh, manifestations, so to speak.
0: It, it's crazy because we have some similarities, second language. My parents are immigrants. My dad had to work at a very young age. You know, My mom went a little further in school, but not much. It doesn't even compare to what kids uh, in their education hear. I talked to a lot of young people it's it, this is crazy no one's going to believe me if you're listening you're not going to believe me and they say man i hate school like i don't know if 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 in the beginning of their life they're dealing with uh frustrations ours came possibly from english being our second language and just that we felt behind and then the teacher would put pressure on us and then you and, and then you include the kids around you who are catching on yeah so then they go to middle school and then they go to high school and they're tired of feeling frustrated, right? Yeah. So, so the negative has produced more negativity. They really wanna get out of the situation, right? They, yeah. they can't, it, 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 what it does is it makes somebody's confidence very low because you're behind, you don't, get, you, you don't answer any questions out loud. The teacher doesn't say, good job, Sam. Good job, Rudy. That kind of bypasses you. Yeah. And people don't realize, but that affects a person's oh, yeah. confidence, so, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And so out of this negativity, obviously, something clicked at some point, right? But before it clicked and you said, I'm going to be a runner. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to take my education seriously. You had to begin to develop your confidence. And that's key number two, Yeah, developing confidence. And that kind of stems from positive energy, right? It produces confidence. So,
1: so yeah, I think for me, um, it kind of evolved. There's a key people in my life. I mean, there was a a, a track coach uh, that, uh, you know, I, I started um, sixth grade was uh, started active in in um, in my school, setting like the, the records. Uh, And then this coach said, man, you you probably should start running, like maybe do junior Olympics. So I started doing junior Olympics and that was, uh, um, you know, I did well, you know, made it to nationals, you know, top, Uh, 800 meter runner and now uh, let me let me jump in okay so running
0: is a very solo sport like you suffer alone you know when you're running whether it be 400 what I don't even know the numbers yeah you're alone they coach you on the side and before but a lot of it takes place alone right so it's in your head it's it's in your head head, right so you don't know that the confidence exists It's, it's almost like I'm in it but I'm still separated, so when did... So co- So what happened
1: was, I think for me was like, I, I so I paralleled two different lives. Like I, I I did, the academic was one life and then my running was another life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I realized that, well, if I can be good at this, why God. can't I be good at this? And then I made a decision. I remember vividly, I think I was in sixth grade or yeah. seventh grade. I was like, you know what, um, man, I'm, I'm gonna, you know all the discipline I had in whether it was karate. Uh, you know back then I did everything like sp- uh, football, basketball. Um, I may have been the littlest guy, but I was always I could out hustle anybody. Even when we played football, man, I was always like the littlest, fastest guy, but I could outlast anybody. So we played, we played basketball. We would play an hour, two hours. I mean, I would I would outrun anybody. So that ability to recognize, hey man, I I can actually out hustle people. Yeah. right? so it just kind of carried over and i said you know what if i did this and it 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 wasn't like intuitive but i just was like let me try this out yeah so um and that um with a little bit of support from this coach who said you could be a state champion you could you could go to college on this right yeah um then i started saying you know what let me let me parallel these two lives and like put as much effort. And that's really where the confidence started coming.
0: Okay, so I'm hearing you, I I love it, man. This is some insight. If you're listening right now, if you're a young person and you feel like, you know, I I need some confidence in my life, but everything that that I do, I'm not good at, or the environment that I'm in, whether it be in high school or or you're beginning college and you feel like, man, I'm so behind. Maybe you should separate yourself from that for a moment. Pick up a hobby or a side project figure out that you're good at something because yeah. the running was separate from the academics yeah. but it was necessary to kind of start building you up because you were good at it yeah. you weren't trying to say I'm going to go be good at something I'm bad at because that that was going to require not only confidence but commitment but you went and got your confidence from running
1: so it did but you know I feel like man anything that's worth anything in life you're going to suck at you're yeah. going to be horrible at. yeah in the so beginning I, yeah. yeah so uh like anything you do like for me in my day-to-day operations, like if yeah. I if I'm doing, um, you know, a lot of the stuff I I deal with is really uh, uh, very complicated spine cases, right? Mm-hmm. So you're millimeters from the spinal cord, right? You're injecting a big needle through the cord, or not, hopefully not through the spinal cord, but near and around the cord and the nerve roots. So you don't learn that like first time you see it, right? You learn it by by years of practice. Yeah. And so for me, it was like. I, I didn't realize that when you're, you're 12, 13, 14, and you're, you're, you're like your whole life, you're bad mm. at, at school. But you realize that, mm, man, if I do this, apply myself, then you start getting good grades. I'm like, wow, this is not so hard. And you're going to eventually fail at things, right? But life for me has like always been a series of mistakes, right? Yeah. I, I, if I make a mistake, I learn from it not I don't really ask myself why did it happen to me but how, what can I learn from it right yeah so for me it was always like as I got better at this at better at knowing that I'm not gonna be great at all things but let me just try and put some more effort and then that that D became a B or an a you know what I'm saying so um, I just kind of used it throughout my life that that's so that's how how those negatives you um, turned into 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 positive. Yeah. And I feel like for me, I have to have roadblocks. Because those roadblocks yeah. actually give you enlightenment.
0: Does yeah, that, people want it smooth.
1: Yeah, no, no. It, it's not you know and it's, so
0: it's necessary. Yeah. Don't go looking for it, but it's necessary, right? Yeah. So that you learn how to adapt. Yep and it's so so your confidence is building up this is this is great cuz you you can see that the negatives they're, they're producing positive energy they're guiding you down the right direction and then you're having some victories you said you started winning when you were running cuz yeah. you were you were fast and and you had a mentor the coach was putting positive thoughts in your head and kind of speaking to your future which is which is also a great thing that future leaders don't see like you have to find people who've kind of been ahead of you and know the path to kind of guide you and say, you know what, here's a few things that you can aim at right now mm-hmm. in what you're doing, or this is what you're doing, or it will track to this objective, right? And so yeah. that's also very necessary, but it also brings me to key number three, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, it's problem solving, mm-hmm. right? So you're mm-hmm. saying the roadblocks, the, 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 when you mess up, when things don't go smooth, well, is there a, a story maybe whenever you were learning how to you, you do that complicated procedure or yeah, something, yeah where you had to learn how to problem solve and create like a process and understand that, okay, I messed up. And here's how I dig myself out of it to to get something good.
1: I think for me, uh, you know, like anything else, man, like if you make a mistake, you own up to it and you take responsibility for it. In medicine, uh, you hopefully try not to make mistakes. There's a saying in medicine, you see one, you do one, you teach one. And, and, you know, a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, um, so, you know, uh, the question is how do you solve problems by, um, by, you know, by honestly, by trial and error, not giving up, uh, you know, um, there are times where I run into difficult patients or difficult cases, but I, I use the, the, uh, the ears of experience that I've had in the past to kind of guide me. Or sometimes it gives me clues on like what patients to avoid, right? Patients like in, in, in the the field I'm in, especially in chronic pain, there's patients that you really genuinely want to help that want to help themselves and people that don't want to help themselves. And you kind of get a, a, a feeling, a gestalt about people like, you know, they're really maybe drug seeking or, uh, patients just don't want to get better. Uh, So you kind of have to just use, your personal experience, your 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 experience to kind of continue. There's, it's a continuous process. so when you problem
0: yeah. solve sometimes it'll it'll help you like if, if something is messed up, it'll help you fix it, but it but sometimes yeah. it identifies a place to avoid the next time yeah, all you know, completely so, right. So I
1: feel like you have to you have to make mistakes because those will give you clues on which way to way to, to get to that destination. Like so like for me it's like you're on a you know you're on a I don't know, like in a, in a boat, right? And you're trying to go from A to B, right? But you don't really know where B is at, you're at A. yeah. So you go one direction and you're gonna hit roadblocks and it kind of gives you back in a different direction. So for me now in, in the private practice for about 10 years, I know what patients I wanna take on, what patients Got I wanna avoid. But my point with, with the kids, right, is I, for me, having problems and making maybe making bad decisions will give you clues on what to do the next time. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you always learn from your mistakes.
0: Um, that's that's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, and some people don't know how to learn from their mistakes. So they get stuck in it, yeah. right? And so, when you get stuck in that in that rut, like, how do you activate? So, like, so, okay, I gotta attack it again till what, I get out. What
1: the key is is kind of stepping away and evaluating. So yeah, yeah. evaluating your uh, mistakes, um, evaluating mistakes plus. Uh, this guy named Ray Dalio says something about mistakes plus evaluation or uh, contemplation of that mistake mm-hmm. uh, will give you insight equals progress. Got so, it. making a mistake, figuring out what you did wrong, and wh- how you can fix that equals progress
0: so it, it isn't always going to be the solution but it just might be the progress it yeah. just might be the next step and then from there you I'm go doing that again yeah, yeah yeah some people want to jump in and say i want to fix it all in one day in one hour yeah. but you just might be taking the next step in your journey exactly. and that's okay like yeah. don't, don't don't find nothing negative in that you know if you find yourself trying to problem solve your way out of something it's a process exactly and sometimes it can be long some are easily fixed yeah but some are long term yeah and you can't let those discourage you, right? Yeah. So we, we've covered key number one, key number two, and key number three. And all of those, and it's funny because we opened up with communication, with language barriers. Key number four, I put down communication development. And the reason it, it, it falls at number four is because I felt like the three before for me... I didn't know how to, I didn't need to know how to communicate because they were for me. They were like, how do I handle life? How do I handle situations? How, how do I bring more self-awareness to me? And then once you develop that turning negatives to positives and then you have confidence and you begin to problem solve, now you're going to be attracting people to you. Right. Because your leadership is developing. And now how are you going to, it's important to know how to communicate then because people are going to say, well, Rudy, you've, you've handled issues so well. Now you have to communicate and motivate and possibly help someone, right? That you're mentoring on how to problem solve Mm -hmm. or how to uh, get over their past. Now you have to tell them now, now it starts being outside of you and that's why I have key number four, developing communication, not for the sake of just talking, but for the sake of leading people, right? Because you got to communicate. And so when you think of communication development, when did you feel like, man, I I love communicating my passion. I love communicating what I go through or just simply just motivating people.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, in my Field right in the medical field that I'm in, it's it's got a certain nomenclature, it's got a certain language, a certain way you communicate. Gotcha. And if you don't communicate in that lingo or that language, mm. people just don't. Uh, you know, you, you can't effectively talk to other providers or physicians. That's number one. But on the day-to-day operation, I'm a so I'm a I'm a business owner as well as a physician, right? So I've got three medical practices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, Probably 25 employees, um, and communication uh, or leaders do lead not only by example but by communicating. And mm-hmm. I I tend to to try to be as um, as forthcoming, as honest, and direct as possible. You don't want to sugarcoat stuff. So that's super important in in uh, in, in my practice of medicine, in the ownership of the practice, uh, in your relationships with uh, your spouses or your kids. I think that's, it's super important. Uh, and to being able to connect with patients, right? That's yeah. another way, um, you know, I've got really, really high-end CEO, multi-millionaire patients, and I've got yeah. blue collar people that you're able to the English, they don't speak English very well, speak Spanish. So you have to be able to communicate uh, and have that like emotional quotient, right? Emotional intelligence to recognize who you're talking to and yeah. rec- recognizing that, and being able to communicate effectively to them, and that is so much more effective than just talking to everybody the same way. Yeah, and so yeah. there's there's a, uh, um, a an art to that, so to speak, yeah, right? Yeah. And so uh, for me, like I said, English was my second language. Um, and when I was in college, I could communicate well, couldn't write very good, couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I could memorize things. But my my all my professors were like man you communicate so well what you know what's the, the disconnect? Yeah. Do
0: you do much public speaking? Did you have uh, to as you were going n- to school? No, and everything? you know
1: I didn't. Um, now as a business owner and and uh, marketing and talking to other physicians, I'm forced to. I do uh, you know monthly um, monthly chats about yeah. uh, about my my you know the practice the the field I'm in. So I'll do them to you know five hundred six hundred people sometimes. So it's it's. Uh, it's super important now
0: that, you know, there's people that are gonna, they feel like they have a lot to say they're going through their journey in life. And, but the, the thing that scares them, right. The, one of the number one fears, right. Or uh, out of the top five is like public speaking and heights or something, you know, it's yeah. all, but public speaking is always in there. Yeah. yeah. And so. How, what would you tell someone is, that, that feels the passion to communicate and to lead and to manage, but they can't seem to do it because they feel like, well, I don't I don't talk well, I don't sound well. You know, even considering that, that you need the right lingo for yeah. the things that you're doing. But where do you find that encouragement? Like, just, just say, man, I, I may not know it all because at one point you didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But you still had to communicate.
1: So for me, um, man, everything comes through practice. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, you have to put yourself in that lion's den. You have to like, I, I don't know how to overcome that fear. For me, overcoming fear has never been a challenge. I'm a thrill seeker. I'm like, uh, if it's a roller coaster, if it's skydiving, if yeah, it's bungee it. jumping, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it almost, it, it for me, it's in a natural innate uh, uh, desire to really push the limits. And so for me, it's always been like, man, I don't feel good at this, but I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I don't, I've never, I've never run a 50 mile race. Let me give yeah, it a shot. You I've never do done it. an Ironman, but I've, I've done two. I've never jumped out of an airplane, but I've done it. Yeah. Right? Um, so for me, the fear of like overcoming huge obstacles has not been, uh, um, it's it's almost like it attracts me. Yeah, yeah. So I know most people aren't wired that way. Um, for, for people that didn't think I was going to good med school or whatever, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. So I've always been like an internal desire. I've almost uh, never manifest, i never told anyone, i to beat my chest against it. I've always been like, you know, a deep down inside, I don't know if I can do this. That makes me uh, con mas ganas, you know? Oh, yeah. more 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 desire to really see if I can do it or not.
0: I so, um, man, I, I know, so how, impor- okay, how important is communication, would you, would you say, for, uh, for someone young that's listening? How important is it? Man, it's super important. Yeah. Like,
1: in, or- in, for- in order for you to be, uh, to be taken seriously, yeah. you need to communicate effectively. You need to communicate mm. with passion, professional. It's super important, man.
0: I grew up, man, rough, man. Like, my, you know, my communication style and your communicate very different. But passion is behind both because some people they want to connect it to big words, big sentences. Yeah. And I'm and I'm thinking when we communicate, our personality has to be felt in it. Like so so for me it's like don't lose who you are as you develop your communication skill, but know what you're talking about and have passion. That's how I that you know if I had to tell someone, that's what I would tell them. But then as you grow, right? Like you said it, it started getting refined.
1: Yeah, yeah, you definitely you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. Like, if, if you get cr- criticized, don't um, buy your communication skills, you just work on those skills. Uh, for me, when I speak in front of the public, right, I, I, I speak uh, as an expert, because I've, I've done this for 15 years. Yeah. So I'm super confident in my ability. But for most people, I understand it's not like if I had to speak about you know, uh,
0: making cakes,
1: making cakes or flowers, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I fumbled through that. Uh, I know people are very having God given gift to, to speak to yeah. public, but I think being able to just communicate your passion, your, um, your vision, uh, what your desires are, man, is super important for people to take you serious.
0: And so when you talk vision and passion, you know, and then from that, you, you kind of figure out what you, what you're going to sound like and how you're going to communicate who you are to the world which brings me to key number five goal setting i feel like it's necessary for every leader to know how to go set i always uh the next one is dreaming big but to me goal setting tracks to your big dream which we'll get to in a second so when did you start focusing on goal setting right was me- it when you were black belt and running yeah or later on just
1: just uh, you know these little things that you uh uh, as a kid, I remember um, uh, whatever my goal would be at the end of the year, you know, running under a two twenty when I was like ten years old. Yeah, right? two twenty for eight uh, hundred meters. So, oh, okay. Um, so, I don't know. It just became uh, a discipline that I maybe saw my dad do. He was very good at, uh, even though despite he had uh, having fourth grade education, he'd always document like um, uh, things in his journal. Yeah, granted he was born in 1918, and I remember him doing that. And I, I was like, you know, I can't really remember, but I think it's it's important because it says timelines. For me, it was timelines. So in in running, in marathon running, I would typically say, if you want to good run a good marathon, you know, wanted to qualify for Olympic trials when I was like 22, I had I had to run a certain certain distance at a certain time yeah so i reversed engineered that so basically yeah. i would say okay i've got 18 weeks and my goal was to run you know by 16 weeks 100 miles that week and then yeah. try to run it you know whatever uh, marathon pace so it's always been super instrumental because it sets goals, set timelines for you to finish your goals right yeah, like it's it good. you know it, it it really is puts you puts it keeps you accountable
0: yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. One of the things I focus on is put a, a end period to yeah. it. Like put it like in three weeks I got to do it. Cause it, hel- it helps you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's like uh, running has always been the, the kind of the, the template that I use for the rest of my life. Yeah. So if I run a marathon in May, that means, man, I need to be able to run 26 miles without stopping, uh, in May. That gives me six months from now. So I need to be able to build a base. It's almost like a pyramid. Yeah. And, um, So you're building that base to get to the apex of your, of your things. So I paralleled that with, okay, I've got this Mm -hmm. huge final, uh, in gross anatomy and my, my back's against the wall. I need to get an A. And so, uh, what does that mean? It means hey, if I have to go to bed at two in the morning or four in the morning to finish what I need to do, that that, that basically is, it's always been, uh, important for me to kind of measure progress. Um, so goal setting is super important. I typically at the beginning of every day and the, at the end of uh, the day, I, I have a little checklist yeah. of things I need to accomplish that day, and then. Um, That's good. And then I have a bigger goal. It's like I want to accomplish this by the end of the year. Yeah, daily, so
0: daily, probably monthly. Yeah, and then so you go all it, the way to five years out. Some I, people like to go. five I know. Years
1: out. I know. I, I I basically will. I mean, I do have a five-year goal, but it's a very thirty-thousand-foot view, got right? It, got it's it. like. It's not written down but in the back of my head and i don't share that with anybody yeah yeah yeah. um i basically have a vision for myself so i have a countdown repeat like countdown timer in my uh my, my phone app and uh when i was 40 i was like by 45 i'm gonna retire yeah yeah what does that mean because everybody like for me, it's like everybody wants a six pack, right? What does that mean? How many macro nutrients do you need? We all yeah. want it for free though. Yeah. Super but you, easy. you know, but if you want to be a millionaire, yeah, like, what does that mean? Yeah. How does it break down, okay. How does Product, down? hours? You know, you know, it basically means you have to rent, uh, you know, earn $83,000 a month. That yeah. means if you work 21 days in a month, you have to earn almost $4,000 a day, $3,800 a day, every working day. So for me, it's like, okay, what yeah, does yeah. that really mean? For me, goal setting is reverse: getting to the end and going backwards and saying, "How do I get to that?"
0: Yeah, as opposed to just having a million up there and then it's yeah, like million you
1: never- and like, "Oh, I'm working and I finished. I finished it Friday afternoon. And did I meet my goals?" Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I so, like it.
0: That's good. Yeah. People need to know that. You know, like when I was young, I struggled with. Goals. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't set goals. I didn't have. I didn't write things down. My, you know, my dad was. He is a perfectionist and he's been a hard worker all his life but I, I never got to see what he did for work until here recently you know now i understand he, he manages people and oversees projects and stuff but i was on my own yeah and later in life i figured out that ghost setting was important and that's part of why i'm doing this cultivate is to so that young people can hear it you know because for you it was triggered early man from running like that running, that finding a, a like a side thing, aside from school, that's what helps you out a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening to this, that's, that's that's probably what you need to do is find have- something outside of what you struggle to gain your confidence, to learn problem solving, to learn goal setting. And then from there, it tr- it's going to translate to your long-term yeah, yeah. journey.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. So goal setting and the macro, that's what we were kind of describing, but then big dreaming big right a lot of people you threw out the million i I think that that's what people do they dream so big but it's so zoomed out and they don't look pay attention to the details what do you do whenever you start dreaming a little big right retiring at 45 or finishing school or you know biggest thing for me was man um so family a
1: first to graduate from high school right yeah first first sibling yeah yeah and then first one to even go to uh, you know, college. So my 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 younger sister and I were the only two in this family, right? Uh, and not to s- you know, uh, my my brothers were in the military. Uh, my my sisters got married early on, and for me it was uh, man, dreaming big was like man, I just I just really wanna wanna go to University of Texas. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, when did that dream come? Man, High school, middle school? Do you know? it's it's funny how it evolved because the same coach that coached me in this little. Uh, school was at one of the head coaches at this big private school in, yeah. in San Antonio. And, um, I went to, uh, inner city high school my first year there. Mm-hmm. And my coach was like, uh, you still coach me for junior Olympics. He was like, man, if you do well, get your scholarship to this private school. Yeah, And I was super intimidated. So it was a high end high school, uh, academically challenging. And me, I was just like, man, this kid from inner city school, I don't know if I can hang. But I had this, uh, how would you say, ganas. I had this, like, burning um, anger, so to speak, to prove myself. And uh, so I got there, uh, best runner, right? And everyone respected me, even though I was this little, little guy. Um, And um,
0: so Speedy Herrera.
1: Yeah, yeah, Speedy Gonzalez, they called me. I know. uh, (laughs) But— So th- basically, you know, all these kids that were at this private school yeah. were super college bound, you know, uh, a- high academic school. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, dude, if these guys are doing it, I can do it. Um, so your you surroundings know, started surrounding, changing your my mentality. my mentality, I was like, man, these guys are doing it. Um, you know, worked hard, became uh, you know, na- I was it uh, uh, National uh, Society Academic Society? What uh, I forget what it's called. Um, I, I applied myself, and I yeah. applied to three schools, Baylor, um, uh, Texas State, which was uh, Southwestern State, I think, back then, mm-hmm. and then University of Texas. And I didn't think I was going to go, man. I didn't know what I was going to go. But I, I got in, uh, uh, a panzazo, but I got in, <laughs> and um, I ran there. I ran at Texas, oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, but uh, I, I, I remember, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But deep down inside, I wanted to, to help people. So I dreamed about becoming a doctor. I never told anybody um, yeah. because I remember going back in, in there was a Badio Clinic there, and it was called, uh, it's like Badio Comprehensive Clinic. They had a dentist, a doctor's yeah, office, yeah. they had like a Head Start program in San Antonio there. So I remember going to Head Start there, uh, and I remember this, this clinic, and I don't know what attracted me to there. Mm. But I always thought I would go back and maybe serve. Uh, so I had this passion about becoming a doctor.
0: When, when did that happen? D- I was prob- that's a big dream.
1: I know. So I was 18. I was 18, um, you know, um, not, not knowing what it entailed. But yeah. I, I figured it out privately. I held it in. I didn't really talk to a lot of academic counselors. Yeah. I just started doing this. Did you this tell su- your
0: parents or your brothers and sisters? Not really. W- what made you keep it in? What, what made Man, you feel because, that way? Man, uh, because
1: I've always kept my, my dreams inside. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, but I realized that I'm just an introvert. Okay.
0: okay. Um,
1: but a lot of times I've I've proclaimed my, uh, my dream. Uh, I've never, ever been a guy that pounds his chest or, yeah. you know, say you know i'm you know, i'm god's greatest gift yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to 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 medicine or whatever but i i had this dream and i held it in and uh as i got closer i would share with my dad uh, who was probably in his 70s and uh, probably 80s right then yeah he's in his 80s um and uh, he encouraged me really? oh, that's and good. yeah he encouraged me so i it was uh just a, that was the biggest dream i've ever had to go well, from
0: like it's crazy because people don't share their big dreams it it speaks about the people they surround themselves first and foremost always choose the people you hang out with carefully and choose those you share your dream with even more carefully yeah yeah. because sometimes when you share it with a group that maybe isn't developing their leadership or goal setting you'll throw it out there and they'll laugh at you and they'll be like they'll point out your insecurities and say really that's what you want to do it ain't going to happen you should come up with plan b and some something like that might throw someone off yeah
1: so, so maybe it was part of fear of having that rejection. But for me, I've always been um, an introvert, uh, and even I remember in, in undergrad, uh, an organic chemistry class. I, I, I was sick. I think I had the flu or something, and yeah. I was out for about a week. So I asked a call, a friend, a, a, a person I sat next to in the class, uh, to share notes with. And I remember her saying, "Man, the the, the curve is too short. I'm not going to share." So I remember that it's a cutthroat, man. Like, dude, I was yeah. 19, and it was cutthroat, and I was like, dude. So I never really proclaimed, but I knew in my heart that yeah. this is what I want to do. Then I started volunteering at an inner-city clinic. I started getting involved, and I realized that this is what I'm going to do.
0: I love it. Let me move on to key number seven. Yeah, yeah. Being a team player. That's where you find yourself now. In the beginning, as you were, you were growing and you were cultivating who you were gonna be. It for and, and here's the thing: anyone who, anybody who grows in their leadership, they're, they're, there's gonna come a point where they're gonna have to be a part of a team and lead a team. Yeah. So. You found yourself there now, but do you remember the days when it started? How did you develop your management skills, or you know, motivating others and being a team player, being a team leader?
1: You know, I think uh, I really didn't. Uh, I mean, a lot of the academic pursuits were like pretty individualistic, but it wasn't until I hit you know residency, and residency is where you basically you got a degree but you go to a place to be a doctor in training. So you're like a baby doc, right? You yeah. go in there and um, they make you work crazy hours. You work with this kind of big team at a hospital. You got nurses, you got respiratory techs, you got other residents, and as an intern, you're kind of the 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 scrub of the group. They make you do whatever, they make you stay up all night, they yeah. make you, you know, do all sorts of crazy exams. And then as you as you get older in that seniority, you begin to take ownership and become a leader. So the second years manage the first years. The third years manage the second and the third years. So as you get older, you manage those people. Um, And you're not just managing doctors. Those doctors are seeing 10 or 15 patients. Mm -hmm. So if you have two or three docs that are under you, that's like 30 or 40 patients you're responsible for. Wow. So that, that became... There's a hierarchy there, right? Yeah. And so, and it's not just okay. This guy messed up. No, this guy messed up on this patient who may have died, mm. right? So there's serious um, consequences. so uh, you you just become uh, adept to, to to saying okay, this guy cannot do this. This person can or cannot, uh, and you you kind of become to develop those skills as a as a team player. But during residency, that's when it really kicked in, yeah. becoming. Uh, a team player and then in in in, uh, in private practice when I joined a big a big group um, I was one of the one of the three primary physicians in this okay. huge group and uh, you became a, a team player and you you covered everyone you if they went on vacation you had to see their patients if they had if they had patients in the hospital you had to go round on them so it's helping each other out so you became it became a necessary thing because you know there's going to be a time where you go on vacation they cover you and cover your patients
0: so it was just it's just part of what we do yeah and and so in cultivating leadership and when there's no success without a team at some point you're going to have to work with a team manage a team develop a team what advice would you give to someone who is like i don't want to work with that team because they're hard to work with or "I, i don't have the confidence to lead the team that they've given me what would you tell them?
1: What, what, what's the question? If I, How did I acquire the?
0: Like how would you – what would you tell someone uh, if they're scared to be a team leader or to be a part of a team because they don't like working with people?
1: Man, those are the patients – or those are the the people that are most capable for those skills. Yeah. Because the people that you want – like in my experience as, uh, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is that the people that volunteer to be leaders are the most um, – those are the people you need to be careful with. Got the it. people that are don't feel they're competent or don't feel they're skilled enough, those are the people that typically are always 99% of the time hmm. always succeed. Because wow. the pressure's on them, right? If I cannot do if I have a speech yeah. that's in front of five hundred patients or five hundred other physicians, yeah. I need to know my stuff.
0: Yeah. That's
1: pressure on me to say, Hey, listen, let me take it up a notch.
0: Yeah.
1: And so for 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 employees or people that don't feel confident that actually gives you more um
0: room for refinement re- yeah you
1: think? I, I think that th- those are the people that i look for got it yeah. um i mean the bible has it all all over right oh, yeah, yeah. all the guys that the apostles, the the yeah. guys that the disciples that were not uh um
0: they weren't equipped weren't equipped yeah
1: and those are the guys he wanted those are the guys he chose that's right true so for me that's the same same parallel with that
0: yeah So, yeah, so being a team player is important, and it's going to come up in your leadership, man. And once you step into your goals and your dreams, you're you're just going to have to learn how to work with others. So, okay, number eight, it's kind of an oddball, but in all of this, there had to be creativity, right? You had to be creative on how you were going to study. You had to be creative on how you were going to run faster, and you sometimes just to problem solve how did you, or do you, first of all, consider yourself as a creative person?
1: Man, I don't. I yeah. think it's that's a, a beautiful um, uh, attribute a person has. I just, I don't, I think myself as a grinder. Yeah. I yeah. think of myself as a guy that, um, you know, creativity, uh, maybe when you dream these big dreams, mm-hmm. uh, that's a process of being creative. For me, right now, I have a couple of visions, right, for, to build, um, um, this Herrera medical Group uh, into a multidisciplinary clinic um, and, and expanding uh, my vision would be to expand all the way down to San Antonio yeah. to go back back to where I started. Wow. Um, so I'd love to have clinics yeah. in the Metroplex and down but um, I guess the question is creativity it requires,
0: let me, throw this. Okay, let me throw this in there. See, creativity for some, they they believe that that's all you need. I want to be creative. I just want to have ideas, but they don't execute anything. Yeah. So I think, like, if you had 100%, if you look at 100%, 10% would be the creative part, 90% would be the execution. And that's where creativity for me comes in. It's executing. So your thoughts when you were growing up, they were pretty creative. I want to be a doctor. It doesn't line up. It's kind of outside of my realm outside of my reality Mm -hmm. but i can see it and then you execute it i because you said you just grind and that's to me the most important part of a creative person is to be able to execute so maybe speak on that
1: you know i think that i don't know if this applies and i'm just but there's this thing called pareto's principle right Mm -hmm. so it says that Of the hundred percent of the things that you do, 20% are actually productive. And so, um, for me, um, I can have thousands of thoughts, but I need to execute on one or two things every single day to execute to my ultimate vision of creating this, um, multi-specialty clinic that goes all the way to San Antonio. For me, that my vision by the time I'm 45, you know, having 10 clinics in the Metroplex and then expanding on this. I'm 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 in 3. I I need 7 to go, but my point with this is that you know, it, creativity is special, but if you don't grind, man, you're not getting anywhere. I don't know yeah. what to tell you with that. Like um No, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, about like, execution. Yeah. I mean, even Pablo Picasso and all these famous Michelangelo, um, they, uh, you know, all these guys, you know, they they grind they grinded. Yeah, you know, they were grinding. Bit, that's don't how hard it
0: is yeah. to paint yeah big those big canvases yeah and do it without missing up i mean you can kind of fix the paint when you mess up but they were on the grind man yeah. I, i'm with you on that but it's okay like i said it's kind of an oddball. Yeah. but but i think the the fact that you're a grinder i think that speaks to if you're creative fine draw out your idea but then clock in and do the work and that's where i like to lead with uh creativity so you kind of went there nat- naturally so that's good Number nine, that's the last key. This is my favorite one, being a leader. You're a leader in your industry, in in your discipline, in the offices that you manage, in your home. What would you tell someone who doesn't believe in themselves, right? But someone in their life has told them, you know you're going to be a leader. Or maybe something that someone told you that caused you to believe in yourself and now you're going to pass it down to the to someone else.
1: So for me, uh, honestly, man, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, leadership is, I I feel like it's almost not something that you bestow on yourself, but others bestow on you. Right. It's not like say I earned, I'm, you know, God's gift to medicine. It's someone that says, Hey man, you've got a special talent, right? Yeah. Uh, whether that's regenerative medicine, that's pain management, developing these practices, whether that, it's something you bestow. But I think that comes through um, unrelenting, grinding to succeed in life. And once you get to a point where people look to you to, to, to find answers, you, you're forced to become a leader. Yeah. And you accept that. For me, it's about ultimately giving back right? I want to give back. I'm doing these things so I can give back. Um, and, um, you know, whether that's speaking to an inner city elementary school, Mm -hmm. uh, doing a podcast, speaking to my, my patients, um, you, you have to, you have to, you know, you're going to be, it's going to be bestowed on you. If you, if if you eventually get to a point where people look to you.
0: I love it, man. Okay. Any last thoughts that you wanna leave to the people listening? The podcast is gonna go out to all ages, right? But I want to motivate someone that grew up like me when I was young that didn't believe in themselves because they had a a rough life around them and maybe they're right there and they're they're having to make a decision. I'm gonna change my path, right? To reach my dreams and my goals. Any final thoughts, anything you want to leave for someone just to – this might be the motivation. That, yeah, that I mean, for
1: me, I think that um, you always want to dream big, right? You always yeah. want to dream big. Don't ever sell yourself short. There's no secret sauce, man. There is no secret sauce. You're telling me now? <laughs> no, man, it's, it's about grinding yeah. uh, and, and, you know, having that little spark inside mm. yourself and saying, you know, not to give up, yeah, you don't know, give up. don't give up, um, to really – You know, people talk about, you know, know, all these secret sauces of becoming a millionaire, independently wealthy, all these other things. But I think that, for me, it's about true success is, you know, having um, having balance in my life with my family, uh, spending time with my boys, um, being successful, being a successful business owner, being a good clinician. uh, good to my patients. I think those are all keys to success, but that's only through balance mm-hmm. and through there's years, I mean, 10, 15 years of like a grind. Yeah. Right. Going to medical school, studying late at night, all those things are not mm-hmm. something that's ever given to you, but realize that you, you always want to think big, always think big and d- don't sell yourself short, man. Yeah. Cause definitely if I did it, man, anyone can do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Rudy, thank you so much. I just want to let you know that you, you know I, when when uh, me and my wife first met you and your family, I you know I can tell that you cultivated something, and and, and on top of that, you're you're just a good person. You've always been nice and, and kind to me, and thank you for accepting the invitation to the first interview on Cultivate Leadership Project. This is the the first of many, but you'll always own that no one else can be the first, and so it's your spot. Uh, thank you for for this time. And I know that this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you. And that's it. See y'all later. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was so good. I learned so much. Don't forget, follow us on social, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just type in cultivate leadership project, all one word, email us, let us know how you're doing. Let us know how these shows have helped. Cultivate Leadership Project at gmail.com. And continue listening and sharing our podcast. And thank you for supporting. We'll see you on the next one.